The following audio is from the King's Chapel in Clifton, Virginia. For more information about our church or to listen to more sermons from this series, you can visit us online at thekingschapel.org. It's uh, good to be back in town. You guys didn't know, but uh, I went to... There's so much to say. It's almost unbelievable. Thank you, gentlemen, for your work around the church and Maria, who kind of runs and organizes. She has such a vision for beauty which we should all have. It's part of uh, God's thing. He made the flower, he made the tree, and he made the grass. And thank you for caring for that. Thank you so much. Um, this uh, week, a number of us went down. I'm in a, a happy, joyous place at the moment, but a lot of tears have been shed because uh, uh, one of Melanie and my dearest friends, and I have many of them, thank God, you guys are unbelievable, but we and some others here at the church who I shall not name, although I will name someone that was on my heart. I'm not going to point to him, but there's a gentleman named Clive here who is a fireman for the Prince William Fire Department, and we want all of you that are first responders to know we love you and thank you for your service, and thank you, Clive. Um, these are exciting things for me. You know, I'm, gee, I'm already tearing up. This, this week... Um, has been a thing of beauty and sorrow. We have uh, a lot of things that people are going through, and yet we trust that God is working all things, all things together for good for those who love him, for you guys, and are called according to his purpose. What we're doing here this morning is I'm going to read to you some scriptures. I'm going to read the one another's, and then I'm going to read you a letter that was given to Melanie and I that touched us deeply. Um, let me just do this piece first. In Romans 12, Romans 12 is a chapter dedicated to kind of the practical outworkings of the gospel. That is, we are saved, the whole, the whole story here is both Jew and Gentile are saved not by works lest we should boast, but it is according to his mercies that he saves us. He imparts to us a righteousness not of our own. In other words, he loves you. He calls you to himself in order to cleanse you and renew you, forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's kind of the story of Romans. It is the grace of God that saves us, not our works, lest any of us should brag about it. It's a beautiful thing. It is what love is, unmerited, unfavored. And yet we are also free in some sense that is mysterious to shake our tiny fists in the hand of love and in the face of that beautiful Savior and just say, no, I will have none of you. I will live my life my way. And I would say with Dr. Phil, how is that working for you? There's a lady here I'm going to talk about this morning. Her name is, is Marilyn White. And I talked to you about her a couple weeks ago. And while I'm thinking of Marilyn, she just gave her life to Christ in such a dramatic way. It's amazing. I want to mention, this morning I want to mention my friends, the Kaikendals, and the love one another's here. And, and um, honor, show honor to one another. That's our key passage this morning. And I watched the Kaikendals as early in our formation. They opened up their basement and took as many as 40 teens every week of the year into their lovely basement to have those kids trash it. They don't mean to, they just did because they're human and they're young. And they sacrificed so that we could be blessed and start this church with strength 
in our youth program. That was Kurt and Sherry. That's why uh, we honor them, and I honor them uh, this morning. Do you honor your neighbor? Do you love them in practical ways? Here in Romans 12, let me read. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, here are the practical notes for the believer. This is a picture of Christ's life, which has now come in you, and what it looks like fully formed. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He's saying, now come in, and I will give you grace and empower to live the Christ life. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. As we try it God's way, we see his glory and his wonder. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That means humility is our middle name, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. There's a one another. Members of one another. Having gifts that differ. We're not all the same. According to the grace given us, they were given us by the grace of God. Let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Let me say that again. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. This is the Christ-like working in life working in you. This is what it is life like. This is the true north to which it is going. Now, here's our one another's for today. Love one another with brotherly affection. That speaks of purity and, and beauty and the, the love of Christ. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. In showing honor. My father, uh, would t one time I, I brought up that I had a music teacher at school that was quite fine. I said, Mr. Baxter. And he said, Bill, this is, this is my life, guys. He said, Bill, you need to call him Dr. Baxter. He worked very hard. He has a PhD from Catholic University in music. You know his gifts. You know his talents. Honor him. Respect him. So a lot of you probably want me to call you Joe or so I say Colonel, Sergeant, whatever it is. I try to show honor and respect to people because that's what Jesus would do. Let there be glory and honor and praises. Glory and honors, honor to Jesus. Glory, honor. We give him honor by the way we live our lives. Outdo one another. Here's a place you can compete in showing honor. You know, there's a world of people that don't feel so hot about themselves. If you can find that little gem in their personality, that thing, and pump it up and inflate it and make it powerful and potent by you, the grace of God, that helps people so much. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, I noticed that. That's tremendous. I'm sure some of my staff thinks, stop the cheerleading, Bill. You're making us crazy. 
immaterial. I'm already crazy and I'm going to share the crazy. The crazy is this. That girl that's back there at that thing works like a dog. She's a genius. I love her with all my heart. That's Jackie, our secretary. And her husband and the husband of the lady who was up here giving um, announcements crazily went down to Florida in one day, came back the next day. Do you know how tough that ride is down to Jacksonville, Florida? Took me 15 hours one way and 13 another, and they did it with joy in their hearts to see their friend, Marilyn, and her funeral service. By the way, I will interject. A Marilyn White, who was a founding, Marilyn and Bob were founding members of this church. They call it founding, technically perhaps not, but they were elder, an eldership early on in our history. They're unbelievable people. So we couldn't miss them down there and we're gonna have a funeral service for them probably late in May. We will keep you informed. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of God, in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So saith the scriptures, affection and love are God's idea, as is the idea of prioritizing people with honor and love and encouragement and that proper inflation, not of their ego, but of the wonderful and beautiful works that God is calling them to do. Make sure you notice and give thanks and praise. I have a daughter that's a writer. We got a letter from her for uh, uh, Marilyn White. Marilyn White and Bob White. Bob is a lieutenant, was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. He then went to work for Booz Allen. He was doing some of the most important uh, work here in America, period. I don't want to go into it. The stuff he was doing was unbelievable because he had a gift and he was trusted by the highest people in our nation. Uh, some of you are like that. I know that. And I am privileged even to be talking here in front of you today. But Bob and Marilyn were just the very best. It should not surprise us that their son, Andrew, is an elder here after many years of service. He and Diana early on were youth ministers here at the church as an adjunct to just their daily living. I, I honor them in every possible way I can. But today is Marilyn's day. This, this last week, about a week or 10 days ago, she... Um, Long story short, she toppled over with a sudden and a violent heart attack. And in essence, to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord. She was with Jesus. But she left in the wake of her life such goodness and sweetness. It was fairly amazing. 
And one part of her, one part that she loved was she was uh, out of a bit of a Scottish family. It was more complex than that, but she liked the hello, the bagpipes, and the, you know, little plaid stuff and all that jazz uh, that the Scottish are famous for. Let me read you something. That's why my daughter wrote this. Gather round, friends, and I'm not going to do an accent. I, I finished that. And make yourself a nice warm cup of tea. It is time this Scottish Sean Chafe now, what does that mean? I had no idea, so I looked it up. It means this Scottish storyteller, referring to herself from Clan Mackenzie or from Maryland. Clan Mackenzie, her name was Mackenzie. To tell you the legend of an unmatched lass, a peerless faith who has recently gone on to glory in Jesus Christ. This lass shall remain unnamed. We know it's Marilyn White, okay. As she preferred that her works be performed anonymously, this was her nature and what she did, so that her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, would receive all the credit. Of course, her singular passions were so unique and bold that it was often easy to match the fingerprints of her works, not just to her Savior, but to his loyal and relentless servant. She did firmly believe that there are divine predestined moments in life where one steps into the stream of history that's for you, that's for all of us. A prevenient grace, God is doing something with us. And as the Holy Spirit prompted her, that is exactly what she did, stepping into the stream of history. Decades, Catherine says, that's my firstborn. Before I was born, my grandfather, Dr. Earl Morey, was a chaplain for a group of high schoolers in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There in the group was a young teenage girl of fierce determination. That's for sure. And keen intellectual mind. My grandfather, a Princeton scholar herself, himself, inspired her to intellectually study the Bible and determine for herself if the stories within it were true. Through meticulous research, her heart faith and head faith combined to set this young woman on a mission that would inspire countless others around the world. The last grew up and married into the military, which brought her and her young family all over the United States and around the globe as they served our nation. Everywhere she went, she generously welcomed people into her home for meals and shelter, but she also never forgot the chaplain of her youth. And by divine providence, she discovered that the daughter of that pastor, my mother, Melanie Jeske, had now a large young family of her own. Not only that, but my father, also a pastor, began to be her children's youth pastor. And somewhere in that time frame, the last determined to transform herself into an anonymous benefactress who planted scenes of vision and opportunity into me, Catherine, and my family. My family, as a ministry family, did not have earthly wealth. But our anonymous benefactress saw to it that we never lacked for anything. She would often supply the nine children in our home with elaborate feasts of exotic foods we never would have tasted otherwise. I asked for canned beans and hot dogs, for example, and she brought us sausages and lobster, navy beans, black-eyed peas, and artichoke. Who would remember that detail? When my dad needed an assistant soccer coach, her amazingly talented daughter came to inspire the young women on our team. Her other daughter braided my hair for my wedding, and her son married my babysitter, shameless. That's Andrew White marrying Diana White, and provided us with hours of creative projects and sports and fishing trips, as well as becoming my youth leader. That's Andrew and Diana. I 
quietly noticed that her table always had room for children and foreign exchange students and missionaries. I quietly observed her daughter wed interracially in a time where that was not all, at all common. I quietly noticed that over and over she took interest in other peoples and cultures and cared deeply that all souls would come to know her savior. After I graduated from high school, I received an offer to play soccer at George Mason University as well as a full tuition scholarship. I needed to live on campus, but my parents and I could not afford room and board. The anonymous benefactress stepped forward and insisting on paying my room and board, forcefully declaring that I was sent to GMU as a missionary whose task it was to tell all the students there about Jesus. As was often the case, she was not wrong, and she knew I would take my charge seriously. So every Sunday, I would pack my car full of students, scholars, athletes, rugby players, and bring them to church. I also had the honor of stepping into the stream of history by attending a small literature uh, uh, civil rights activist, Roger Wilkins class, who won the Pulitzer Prize for his coverage of Watergate. Remember the Watergate backslash angel tree backslash famous writer's thread. At any rate, Professor Wilkins pulled me aside after class, looked me dead in the eyes and said, young lady, you have talent as a writer. What are you going to do with it? My anonymous benefactress wanted to develop that writing talent too. She insisted that my mother and I attend the C.S. Lewis Oxbridge Conference at Oxford and Cambridge in England. You must understand, dear friends, when the benefactress insisted upon something, it was is as if the voice of God himself was speaking, and it was something that would take place. She was dead set on the vision that my mother and I must attend, that there were things waiting for us there that would inspire us on to greater good. Again, she was not wrong. This is a prophetic thing. We believe here that God still speaks. We believe the word became flesh, that the word of God is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. At any rate, at Oxbridge, my mother, Melanie Morijeski, rekindled the writing that she had set aside while she raised her nine children. She got a, caught a vision to become a scholar of Tolkien and Lewis, completed her master's degree in English Lit, and went on to author four books and counting. Melanie Jeske, as well, attended Oxford University herself and became an English professor. Not only that, but my mother observed the beautiful King's Chapel in Cambridge and came back and bestowed that name on the church that she and my father led and built. The anonymous benefactress was a charter member of that new church, of course. Of course, God never tells just one story at a time. Like Scottish plaid, there were myriad threads woven all at the same time. So for me, while at the conference, I got to dance at a palace. I toured the most beautiful castles and gardens in the world, and I attended private creative writing classes with Newbery Medal winner Madeline Liangle, who helped me process some spiritual pain and questioning. High up in the gallery, in one of the larger sessions, I sat a few rows away from another literary legend, best-selling author and notorious Watergate scandal man, Chuck Colson. You know, the guy that my professor, Roger Wilkins, helped to send to prison. The internationally recognized Christian convert who went from White House hatchet man to transformed advocate for the least and lowly in, lowest in society around the world, the, the, the founder of Prison Fellowship, an angel tree. If you have ever seen Chuck Colson, 
you have to know he has an incredibly distinctive face. So I sat in the gallery taking notes and quietly doodling a sketch. I, I had been watching throughout the week as conference attendees flocked around him like seagulls. I was just an empty row away, but I was too proud to introduce myself to this infamous man. Who is he to be so special? He can introduce himself to me, I harumphed. And that is exactly what he did. He turned around warmly, extended his hand, and this great man said, Hi, I'm Chuck. What's your name? The humility of that moment makes me weep two decades later as I write this. I was a nobody, and yet this international celebrity took the time to reach out to me. Are you keeping track of the threads? Because they are all going to come together. A youth pastor and a young girl an appreciation for all races, ethnicities, and tribes, hospitality, investment in missions, local and exotic, exposure to the highest scholastic minds and writing teachers. But then the benefactress decided that I need to study at Oxford and play soccer there too. Her children were all high-level athletes themselves. I got in and spent time perfecting, researching, and writing at the highest institution of learning in the world, and I emerged from college 100% debt-free, despite coming from a family who did not have the means to supply a debt-free education. Being debt-free after college sent me light years ahead of my peers and allowed my husband, Chris Craddock, and I to start investing and wealth building at a very young age, even though we made almost no money ourselves. But I did have a job. And in the stream of divine history, my first job was as a writer at an international nonprofit called Prison Fellowship. I wrote one letter to supporters so well because my benefactress, uh, because, forgive me, uh, so well, because God had given me such amazing mentors through my benefactress that it raised over $1 million for the ministry. The letter made such a splash that I received a very unusual visitor to my little intern cubicle. I swiveled in my chair to see a large tanned hand reach out to greet me. I just had to meet the writer of that level said, Chuck Colson, and let's get you hired. You're writing for me. But it turns out, unbeknownst to all of us at the time, that Chuck Colson's military commanding officer from his youth was none other than my other grandfather, and here I was of all the writers in the universe, the granddaughter of his commanding officer, trained as a writer by the journalist who had put him in prison, met two years prior at a conference due to the vision of the benefactress. It seemed that the stream of history was indeed weaving the lives together all at the right place and at the right time. For the next 17 years, I wrote more Christmas stories than anyone could ever imagine. I raised millions and millions of dollars for an amazing ministry and met prisoners' families that inspired me and I now call my friends. I received a peerless marketing and intellectual education. I kept writing, went on to win multiple awards in Hollywood and walked the red carpet twice and saw my screenplays turn to movies. And of course, now my daughter Katie is now published author Katie Craddock, all because the one anonymous benefactress planted seeds, watered them, and watched them grow and bear fruit. And we're almost finished. But wait, 
There's more. I mentioned that the benefactress had a passion for hospitality. When I was 21 and about to be married, she rallied the entire church to, to throw me a crystal and china shower. She convinced all of the women, trust me, she was convincing, to contribute their very best potluck recipes and filled an entire church hall with ladies who spread out their own best china and silver to show me how to host. These ladies ended up giving me enough for me to have a full set of china, crystal and silver, Royal Dalton, Dalton, the benefactress, would be proud to let you know. Now, I'm not very fancy, and it is a well-known fact that I am a terrible cook, but the benefactress showed me what was most important was that a home be open to all. So we packed Young Life parents and kids into a one-bedroom apartment. We stuffed our townhouse with young adults, 75 at a time. We hosted vacation Bible school and mops and Young Life in our home. And because she believed in me and my husband, we were missionaries to Northern Virginia. Thousands of teenagers were led to Christ at youth group events and summer camps. And many a friend has gathered at my table for a deep talk or a small Bible study over a warm cup of tea. My sister, Kristen M. Jeske, is now an author and China expert herself. From her inspiration, 100% the vision for an even larger hosting valley was born, and she's going to talk about Chalk, uh, Chalk Horse Farm. They've done so well, they bought a gigantic house, and my plans for hosting. Oh, that little seed, that China crystal and silver wedding shower is bearing and will bear enormous fruit. The house is for masses of kids to come to and hear about Jesus. Can you even begin to understand the gravitas of an unmerited gift in pairing with a calling to go and do likewise? The example that was set like Jean Valjean and Les Mis, I have been given the bishop's silver and my life at all times carry that weight of calling and responsibility even now. I never left her presence without a piece of fine porcelain or needlework or a beautiful flower in my arms, an arrangement, a Scottish plaid. I never left her presence without a clear-eyed challenge to go and pursue a new big bold dream for Jesus. Now you must. Now you must be bold enough to step into the stream of history. You must. Her earthly story has ended. Her place in history will rush past. But is it really over? No, Jesus tells us in John 12, 24, that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The legend of this Scottish lass, my anonymous benefactress, has only just begun. Her impact in history is only starting. She has scores of children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and hundreds more missionary and pastor's families like mine who have been generously tilled and seeded by her vision and life's work. And now it is our turn to grow and step into the living water and flourish and bear fruit, and one day our fruit will grow old and shrivel and gently drop its seeds into the ground. What a harvest that will be. But the harvest is plentiful, and the workers, like the anonymous benefactress, are few. Won't you search the scriptures to, for yourself to find out what's true? <clears throat> Won't you give your life selflessly and generously? Won't you speak life and vision into the young and old alike won't you equip others for their tasks in history so that the legend and the story of the good news of Jesus Christ's salvation can carry forth to the next generation? What are you waiting for? Go, make disciples of all nations. Step into your own divine moments. 
Take your own place in the stream of history. In Jesus' name, in the memory of a woman whose generous obedience to Christ must own calling on her life shaped every facet of mine. We must. Just to share the kind of woman Marilyn was. Her son Andrew was a baseball player. Couldn't hit the ball. So in the stands, and he'll tell this probably in a while, in the stands, you would hear this voice singing out, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it would just go on and on until he could hit the ball. And it was so humiliating. But, and everyone would come and say, who is that woman? Is that your mom? Is that your mom? She could not relent. Everything to her was Christ. And those of us that knew her and knew what she'd done and Bob had done with missions and all these things Catherine describes are grateful to have known her. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, she was always pointing to you. As was Patty Rogers and so many, Lord, in this room right now. Lord, so fill us with yourself that we cannot help but tell people of your love. Let there be glory and honor and praises. Glory and honor to Jesus. Glory, honor. Glory and honor and praise. If you've never received Jesus Christ, it's just this simple. Admit you're a sinner, sinner believe Christ is the only Savior. Choose to follow him. And then this moment, as the Holy Spirit is here, and you see there is an unseen hand at work in human history and in your life as well, is it possible he brought you to this moment to say yes to Jesus? I'm tired of living my life in my own strength and the failure and, and, and the disturbing things and the darkness in my soul and my inability to, to get, put my conscience at rest. Oh, God. Will you forgive my sins? Cleanse me from all righteous unrighteousness and renew in me. Give me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Lord, won't you do that for me? I can assure you based on his word, his plan, and this moment in history that he will and wants to. In fact, he longs to make you right with him and your world. If that's your prayer, if that's what you want, he hears you. He is now cleansing you and filling you with his Holy Spirit. Choose to follow him.